I want to welcome you this evening to our midweek service here at Pleasant Valley South. Tonight I'll be continuing a four-part series from Romans chapter 8. Tonight's message is titled, No Condemnation for Those Who Live According to the Spirit. Take your Bible, if you will, and turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verse 1 and then verses 5 through 8. I'll be sharing out of the New King James Translation. Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Let's pray together. Dear Father, we thank you for this time to take your word and trust your Holy Spirit as we surrender to his leadership and guidance tonight to give us wisdom and give us the ability to apply your word in a way that makes us what you would have us to be and equips us to serve you in this world. So we thank you in advance, God, for what you're going to teach us tonight. And, and we just uh, pray for your uh, will to be done, that you might be glorified in all things. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Most people today have never heard the name of George Fuexel. Mr. Fuexel was an early IBM programmer and instructor in the late 50s, and he's credited with coining the term garbage in, garbage out, seeking to make the point to his students that the quality of a computer's output is determined by the quality of the input. He stated, you put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. As we'll see in our scripture this evening, a similar input determines output connection exists between the thoughts that we put into our mind and the resulting deeds. First of all, we see that those who live according to the Spirit place their minds on the things of the Spirit. Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Let's unpack this verse to make sure we fully understand what Paul is saying to us here. You may remember in verse 4 from last week that Paul used the word walk to refer to a habitual way of life or a lifestyle. Here in verse 5, He substitutes the word live for walk, but having the same meaning. The Greek verb translated set their minds that we see here means to think or to be minded. In his word study of the New Testament, Spiro Zadiades describes it as a person's mindset, which involves the will, the affections, and the conscience. Spirit here, of course, is referring to the Spirit of God or the Holy Spirit. So let's think about what Paul is saying here then. Those whose habitual way of life lines up with the unredeemed sinfulness of fallen mankind, 
set their minds on those things that produce in their words and deeds undeniable evidence of their fallen state. And those whose habitual way of life lines up with the Holy Spirit of God set their minds on those things which produce undeniable evidence of their right relationship with God. It's important then that we identify the things of the flesh and the things of the Spirit. In his commentary on Romans, John MacArthur offers the following explanation. The basic disposition of the unredeemed is to indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires. The things of the flesh then includes false philosophies and religions, which invariably appeal, whether overtly or subtly, to the flesh through self-interest and self-effort. These things, of course, push us further and further away from God. On the other hand, the things of the Spirit are those thoughts and desires that nurture within us a longing to be more like Him, and they draw us closer to Him. Referring back to the garbage in, garbage out, it's understood that whatever we fill our minds with will eventually be manifested outwardly through the works and the deeds that we commit. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, here we're given the outward manifestations of a mind that is filled with the things of the flesh, which Paul refers to as the works of the flesh. He wrote, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outburst of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The lifestyle of the unregenerate, the unsaved, reflects many of these works of the flesh because they continually fill their minds with the things of the flesh. Of course, Paul is not saying that anyone who has ever done any of these things cannot go to heaven even after they've been born again or redeemed. Paul understood and he experienced frequently in his own life the inward struggle that we all deal with as believers. You know, as we continue to live in this flesh, even though we're children of God, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, there's that continual battle within us between the flesh and the Spirit. And the Apostle Paul had those same kind of struggles as well. Flip back a page or two to chapter 7 of Romans. In chapter 7 of Romans, verse 15. Look what Paul said. He said, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. Verse 19, 
For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Can you relate? Those things that we know are right, that we should be doing, many times we don't. Those things that we know that are wrong, that we should not be doing, those are the things that we do. And Paul says, that's that inward struggle. And we as Christians all face that battle, sometimes seemingly on a daily basis. As long as we have life in our bodies, we're going to experience that battle between the flesh and the spirit. And we will occasionally stumble especially in the area of the social sins that Paul listed there, like the selfish ambitions and the contentions and jealousies and outbursts of anger. But what Paul is saying, it must not be reflective of a habitual lifestyle. Yes, we're going to stumble, but it's not going to be something that we're going to practice. I was talking to a fellow believer recently who shared with me an experience that she had had at work, which initially caused her to want to respond in a way that would have aligned her with these works of the flesh. It seems that in her particular job, the work her department employees perform is crucial to the efficient operation of another department. In other words, they were, the other department was dependent on their timely and accurate uh, completion of their work so that this department could take it from there. Well, just before Christmas, one of the employees from the department that's dependent on their work brought gifts up to the department, but whereas there are five employees in that department, he brought two gifts and went to two particular employees and gave them their gifts, leaving out the other three, which included my friend. She admitted to me that she was not only hurt, but she was angered by it. She was so upset that she was determined that she would never go out of her way again, never go the extra mile to help this department, just do what was necessary. But, you know, I knew her, and I knew that she had the philosophy that she performed her job duties as unto the Lord. You know, that's what Scripture tells us, as unto the Lord. And I knew that 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 was what characterized her, her work. Well, she then admitted, I knew that wasn't right to not do what was expected of me. So I trusted the Lord to help me respond in a way that would honor him. She added, if I had continued to think the thoughts that initially ran through my mind, I would have responded in a way in both my words and my actions that would not have been Christ-like at all. We face those kind of situations sometimes on a daily basis, very frequently in our struggle. And and what we allow the thoughts, the emotions, the thoughts that are created by our emotions, if we allow those unhealthy thoughts to continue to to, to fill our mind, then our actions, our words are going to be reflective of that garbage in, garbage out. Following the list of the works of the flesh in Galatians 5, Paul then gives nine character traits that are produced by the Holy Spirit in the lives of those who live according to the Spirit and set their minds on the things of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, 
in direct contrast to the works of the flesh, Paul writes, now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. Paul then wrote in verse 24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. The thoughts we allow to occupy our minds certainly have a profound effect on the way we conduct ourselves on a daily basis. That's why Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think, ponder, meditate on these things. The Greek word translated meditate here refers to a, a habitual discipline of the mind. Meditate on these characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. So not only do those who live according to the Spirit place their minds on the things of the Spirit, we also see here that those who live according to the Spirit possess life and peace. Look at verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The word carnally here is synonymous with fleshly. So the verse can be translated, the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Notice Paul did not say that the mindset on the flesh leads to death, but he said it is death. One Bible commentator said that Paul here is stating a spiritual equation, not a spiritual consequence. In other words, the unsaved person is already dead spiritually and not in the process of dying. On the other hand, the mindset on the spirit is life. For when that person was born again, he was given the gift of eternal life at that moment. We see here that he was also given the perfect peace of God. Turn with me to John's gospel, chapter 14. John 14, verses 26 and 27. Jesus speaking said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In the context of the Lord's promise of the Father sending the Holy Spirit, he promised his peace. For those who live according to the Spirit, place their minds on the things of the Spirit, they possess life and peace. And lastly, those who live according to the Spirit, please God. 
Look at verses 7 and 8. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Since verses 7 and 8 make it clear that the carnal fleshly minded cannot please God, we can reasonably conclude that since the previous verses in Romans 8 up to this point drew that sharp distinction between walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit, that that same distinction is is inferred here. In other words, those who live according to the spirit please God. Dr. David Jeremiah comments here that Only surrender to the Holy Spirit can guarantee motives pleasing to God because the human heart is deceitful and wicked. Someone has said that men were created for the very purpose of pleasing God. You know, there have been countless examples through the ages of people who sought to please God in the flesh through their own efforts, and they all failed miserably because it's just impossible. The only way one can be pleasing to the Father is by walking in the Spirit. It was Paul's lifelong ambition to live a life that pleased God, and he admonished others to do the same. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, 9. In 2 Corinthians 5, 9, Paul wrote, Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. What about you? What about me? Is that our lifelong ambition, our aim in life, to be pleasing to God? You know, Jesus, of course, is our ultimate example in all things that are godly. Everything he did pleased the Father. One final passage I want us to look at tonight It's referred to as the kenosis or the self-emptying passage. And it's found in Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 5. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Jesus Christ is our ultimate Example. You know, Jesus told his disciples, he said, I must go away and it will be to your benefit if I do go away. Because if I go away, if I leave you, then the Father will send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And he will not only be with you, he will be in you. He, the Holy Spirit, will equip you in all things pertaining to godliness. He will provide everything you need. He will be the manifestation in your spirit of the promise of God that I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. 
He's there. We, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit upon our salvation. And once he indwells us, he's always there. Now, whether we surrender to his leading or not, whether we are obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading is our choice. He's not going to force himself on us. But because we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us, we can do all things that Christ calls us to, even to the point of being able to fulfill this passage from Philippians 2, where we are commanded to let this mind be in you. And whose mind is that? The mind of Jesus Christ. It's possible through the indwelling Holy Spirit of God. Garbage in, garbage out. That's not what we want as Christians. We want things in our minds that will manifest themselves in, the, in our lifestyle, the way that we conduct ourselves in this world. We want those things that will honor God. We want those things that will lift Him up and exalt Him. We want those things those things pertaining to the Spirit who lives within us. And when we do that, as we live daily according to the Holy Spirit, our lives will honor Him and our Father will be well pleased. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank You that even though when we take Your commands in Scripture, all the things that you have called us to do and to be in this world today. When we look at it with a fleshly mind and in our own strength, we conclude that it is absolutely impossible. We can't do those things. We can't be Jesus to a lost world. We can't, we can't walk in a way that when they see us, that they will glorify the Father. So, Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we thank you. Romans 8 is just filled with the Holy Spirit and how he equips us to do the things you've called us to do. And so, Lord, we just pray. I pray for myself. I pray for all the members of this church and all who claim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that we will Claim the promises of your word that your Holy Spirit will equip us to do all things, even to have the mind of Christ. So, Lord, we thank you. We give you the praise, Father. And we do pray, God, that the life that we live, our lifestyle, will please you and will bring glory and honor to your name. And we pray this prayer in the name of our Savior and your Son, Jesus. Amen.